0: Mina Kimes, did you bring uh, a jersey? Did you bring a, jer- a quarterback jersey, perhaps, to throw into the trash? Did you bring a uh, <laughs> a flat-screen television to punch a hole into? What props? <laughs> what props did you bring us as we are about to ask you to make us smarter about two enormously important championship games?
1: First, I'd like to say, I envy the maybe 20% of the audience that has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Living in blissful Absolutely. ignorance of the Cowboys media industrial complex. How are we still talking about the Cowboys?
0: No, it is the Cowboys industrial complex. And, uh, and well, there's a related one, right? Like, for people who've been hibernating, what else would you say our industry has been especially obsessed with ahead of this weekend?
1: Pablo, we are coming off of some really incredible games, some shocking performances, some amazing individual plays by players at multiple positions. Uh, We're heading into a weekend of, I think, the two best possible matchups. So naturally, we are spending the week Mm. ranking quarterbacks.
0: (laughs) Yes, we are. Which, by
1: the way, I want to say, like, this is the playoffs. So your performance in the playoffs certainly informs your legacy and how you're perceived. I get that. I get that. But there's so much other stuff we can be talking about, right? I hope that you and I are going to be talking about as we look ahead to these championship games.
0: No, I get it. I fully agree with all of the meta commentary on on the take economy ahead of the AFC and NFC title games. I just want you to know that I am still going to ask you where you have Joe Burrow ranked on your Mount Rushmore.
1: Come on. (laughs)
0: This weekend, there can be only two... <clears throat> mm-hmm. Sorry, I got to clear my throat. <clears> throat. Try that again. Okay. Three, two, one. This weekend, weekend. there can be only two. two. Two championship games. Two winners. Two Many takes. Was that, was that? Guys, you think that was dramatic enough? Am I conveying the intensity of this? I am? Okay. Okay, good. Because as good as the Super Bowl is, the only thing better would be two of them. Actually. And that is exactly what this weekend is pretty much. And so today, We ask our old friend Mina Kimes to tell us what we're about to watch here, what we should be really paying attention to, and what we'll all be incredibly mad about after it's all over. (laughs) I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, January 25th, and this is ESPN. And this is ESPN Daily.
2: Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: Okay, so Mina, I have summoned you here because I need your help, as I often do. Um, And I want to start with the AFC Championship game here because, look, the NFC title game is going to be great, but this has a whole, like, entire trilogy preceding it. Like, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs, the Super Bowl favorite, three times in a row now, including in the AFC title game last year. And so your personal excitement level for this game ranks about where?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, first of all, this feels like the two best teams. So starting there, you know, and that's reflected, by the way, in the betting lines, I think in how we're talking about these games. And then, as you said, like, we've got Patrick Mahomes, who many people believe is the best quarterback on earth and has the potential to be remembered as such facing the team that's been his kryptonite. And Mahomes is fully aware of that. When these teams met in the regular season, going into that game in December, he talked about the fact that he melted down in the playoffs last year in the second half. Patrick Mahomes is a very nice guy, but he also is a cutthroat (laughs) competitor, and you could tell it really bothered him. So from that perspective, this quarterback against this team that has been his undoing it's incredible. And then as far as that team goes, Pablo, coming into the season, even though the Bengals had been to the Super Bowl, many people, myself included, thought the Ravens were going to win the division. Now, yep. the Ravens obviously had a lot of injuries, including once to their quarterback that complicated that. But I, I think Cincinnati feels, and there's some veracity to this, that they were a little bit overlooked. So the fact that they're back here in the AFC Championship facing the quarterback that they... Uniquely have had success for it, it's incredible from a narrative standpoint.
0: Yeah. And I guess narratively, like we'll get to Mahomes and his injury and the degree to which that might melt some of his magic in this game in a second. But I, I feel obligated to start with Joe Burrow. I, I mean, yeah. the record that he has against Mahomes is one thing. And it leads me to this larger question, I think, this deeper question about like, you know, this is a takey question, but I actually want to know what you think. <laughs> How good is he? Like, where does he rank among quarterbacks? Because we started the playoffs with him not looking like this, and now he feels unbeatable, in a sense. Well,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, because it was only a couple of weeks ago that um, a Tyler Huntley-led Baltimore Ravens team almost beat Cincinnati, and the offense put up 17 points on them. And I don't get it. You know, I I know we have the memory of Goldfish, and um, Cincinnati looked incredible on offense against Buffalo, but that just happened. To answer your question, when we talk about quarterbacks and who you'd take and how you'd rank them, for me, it's more useful to think about who's playing really great right now. And at this moment, given the fact that Patrick Mahomes is hurt, Joe Burrow is playing the best football of any quarterback in the league. And I think coming off of that game where he just looked in utter command of the offense, and despite the fact that they were so hurt on the offensive line, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about how well he was playing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it was really, really impressive, and it was a really special performance from a very special quarterback.
0: But part of the reason why he hasn't been seen as, like, special in that way is because he doesn't have those special powers that we've seen from Josh Allen, from Patrick Mahomes, when healthy. He's not a scrambler. He's not a runner in this age of of the dual threat. He is kind Mm -hmm. of a throwback. He is a pocket passer. And so, yes, he's the number one overall pick you know, when he got drafted by the league. So some of this should be obvious, but I also still don't get why this all looks and feels so easy to him, like it did against the Bills in Buffalo. What does he do that is truly special as you have come to understand it?
1: When you talk about Joe Burrow, we hear a lot about his pre-snap recognition, the fact that he's so good at identifying mismatches and coverages. He's a very accurate quarterback All of that is true, but I actually think people kind of sell his athleticism short, frankly, because Mm. uh, none of that would be as useful. He wouldn't be as great from the pocket if he wasn't so good at moving inside of it. That's actually my favorite quality of his as a quarterback. Mm. Um, And the one that reminds me the most of Tom Brady, which is uh, the little movements he does inside the pocket to account for pressure. And then when necessary, Pablo, his ability to scramble in key moments, it all adds up to a picture of a very complete quarterback.
0: Yeah, a guy who is in command, who has been in command, despite, as you alluded to, missing three starters on his offensive line. He was down four at one point in Buffalo. And this was supposed to be the thing that dooms any team and would have doomed him, except for what? Why didn't that end up mattering?
1: This is the most surprising thing that happened all weekend. Um, this was the reason I think why the Bills were favored over the Bengals is the fact that they were not only down three starters on the offensive line, but the last time we saw them in that previous, the wildcard game against Baltimore, it looked like it, right? So they go into Buffalo and not only does the offensive line look competent, Pablo, they put up some numbers that indicate it was one of their best performances of the season. Joe Burrow only pressured on 21% of dropbacks. Some of that is his quick release, which mitigates pressure. Some of it was the fact that the Bills' pass rush really hasn't been the same since they lost Von Miller, and also, I think, um, appeared to be slowed by snowy conditions. But Mm. they also just played well. They got push in the run game. Uh, The Bengals... I mean, this was. You're saying
0: that with the voice of someone who did not know that the Bengals' run game could look like this, which I also did not.
1: I did. I that just took me by surprise. Uh, Joe Mixon averaged 2.6 yards before contact. That's the most he's averaged since 2019. Again, behind an offensive <laughs> line down three starters. So, uh, this was very impressive, and um, we'll see who plays, you know, in the coming weeks, whether or not they get back any other starters. But it it certainly gives Bengals fans a lot of confidence in an area where uh, they had a lot of reason to be concerned.
0: So if you're the Chiefs defense, right, and you're looking at this and you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, we need to do something that we did not do in the previous three games that we played them, including, again, the title game last season, who is the person on that defense that you're sort of circling and you're monitoring? What is that matchup? Why is that one important?
1: Well, I know I just said that the offensive line played really well, but it still starts up front. And as always with the Kansas City Chiefs, it starts with Chris Jones, who's the best player on that defense, who has the ability to take over games. Um, you know, they have injuries at the guard position. He rushes from the interior. Um so I feel like it's especially important against Joe Burrow because he gets the ball out so quickly so interior pass rush you know you got a straight line to the quarterback matters more you can get your hands down and bat passes which is something that because of Joe Burrow's quick release he actually does he has a lot of passes batted so it starts with Chris Jones and then beyond that I would say um the Kansas City Chiefs will and Steve Spagnuolo their defensive coordinator would probably do well to take a page from the Ravens who seem to have defended Joe Burrow better than any team in the league um, that's using simulated pressures in disguise to try to just make him hold on to the football a tick longer so your pass rush can get home.
0: And, and so, speaking of pass rush, right, like, we get to Mahomes now, and protection for him, obviously his, his offensive line has a, a an especially um, high-stakes job in this game yeah. because of that right ankle sprain, the high right ankle sprain, his throwing foot being affected by it. All of that is the utmost priority. And you had referred earlier to the fact that, yes, many people consider him the greatest quarterback, which is not a very um, hot take. (laughs) But you also did once say this, quote, every day I wake up, eat cereal, make coffee, and say a little prayer that Pat Mahomes stays healthy. (laughs) And I know you say this as somebody who is, like, the biggest football nerd fan that I know. So... What do you expect to see from somebody who is not healthy right now Mm. as you, yeah, contemplate maybe whether the universe, yeah, has betrayed you?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we kind of know because we've seen it. You know, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. It was a lesser injury back in 2019. And then, of course, in the second half of the divisional round game against Jacksonville, he came back out after Chad Henney led a 98-yard drive and he played. And you saw Pablo... Um that the Chiefs offense changed. Uh you know in the beginning of this game or that game against the Jags, he was moving, he was running like the speed option, he was booting, he was scrambling. That was yeah. all gone after he came back out. But he's still Patrick Mahomes, he's still really good at diagnosing defenses. He's still um you know has an incredible arm. He made a one-legged jump pass instead of a two-legged one. <laughs> yes, with the um, left foot. Yeah, so, you know, he's still an exceptional quarterback. And and I want to know, by the way, you know, Patrick Mahomes' ability to extend is what makes him special. But from inside the pocket in the regular season, he ranked first in QBR. He ranked Mm. first in EPA per dropback. He ranked (laughs) first in 20-yard post plays. I could go on. So I I think for Kansas City, the challenge is just going to be, um, you know, because the Bengals play them so well on defense, and now they know that one of his tools is taken away, it's going to make life easier for Cincinnati. And thus they're going to be, have to be all the more perfect, especially as you alluded to up front.
0: Yeah. So if Cincinnati is going to try to make life hard for Andy Reed and Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, by the way, who had 14 catches. Um, yeah. a yeah, Record, I believe for tight ends in the playoffs. Um, I, I do want to talk about the guy whose job that is to, to scheme up solutions for that offense. And this guy, who I want to ask you about, I think he might have the biggest gap maybe between public name recognition and just insidery obsession because Luana Rumo is the defensive coordinator of the Bengals. This is the defense that just held the Bills to 10 points last week. What does his defense do that, you know, becomes obvious when you grind all of this tape in these games against Kansas City?
1: Well, they do something different every time, and that's what makes them so deadly. Um, so you're absolutely right. Football nerds are obsessed with Louie Anarumo right now obsessed. as the Bengals defensive coordinator. Um, my friend Ben Solak, who writes about the NFL for the Ringer, yeah. posted a chart that had basically the Bengals' defense's performance against elite quarterbacks over the last couple of years. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. and And, and this is what Ben posted against those quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in football, the Bengals' defense forced them to an average EPA per dropback of negative .03, which, to take out of nerd terms, yeah. that's how Mac Jones played this year. So they basically <laughs> turned all those elite quarterbacks and turned them into Mac Jones, according to Ben.
0: I was going to say, explain EPA, but I yeah. get it now. I get it now. Yeah.
1: It's efficiency, but that doesn't matter. And the, to go back to what I said, he does it differently every time. Um, Famously in the playoffs last year uh, against... Patrick, after Mahomes and the Chiefs were so good in the first half, in the second half, he started just rushing three and dropping eight, and it, like, broke Mahomes' brain. Right. Um, You know, just made him impatient, made him force throws. Uh, In the last round against Josh Allen, uh, I thought he was extremely good at dialing up pressure in surprising ways from different depths, different players, it's always different, and I think that's what's so scary for the Chiefs, you know, because, because of Mahomes' limitations on account of his lack of mobility, um, you can't help but worry about what Luana Rumo and this defense are going to do.
0: Yeah, so to the extent that this game is going to be a referendum on something, what do you think we're going to learn conclusively coming out of a game with, yeah, variables, as you mentioned, that are still in flux?
1: It's hard to say it's a referendum on Mahomes, obviously, given his injury. But I would say from the Chiefs' perspective, it's going to be a referendum on their coaching. Steve Spagnuolo, their their defensive coordinator, can he do a good job taking advantage of the Bengals' issues on their offensive line? There's still issues. Uh, Can he avoid some of the risky tactics he's used in the past, blitzing, playing man coverage, and leaving them vulnerable to those excellent Bengals wide receivers? And then with Andy Reid, how does he call this offense when his quarterback has not one arm tied behind his back, but sort <laughs> of one ankle tied up? It's a coaching challenge. Both of those coaches have the opportunity here to turn things around for Kansas City and, and change the record.
0: Up next, we got the Eagles, we got the Niners, and we have a lot of truly terrifyingly large people um, about to crash into each other pretty much on every single snap.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and over. You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more. Or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech from Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th, and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com giftfinder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
0: All right, so the NFC Championship game does not have the name recognition that you just gave us, right? We don't have the quarterbacks that we know in the way that we know Burrow and Mahomes now. But the story here, I feel like it's arguably as good in its own way. It just needs to be explained some because watching these teams as, as, a, as a relative normie, like the thing that blows me away is what's happening Along the lines, like in the trenches, as they say, right? And for the average viewer who is not already intoxicated by, you know, offensive and defensive line play, how do you explain what trench warfare in this game is going to be like?
1: First, I want to say that uh, Jalen Hurts does deserve the accolades that those two other quarterbacks start getting, you know, and we'll talk about him, but, you know, he, the dude, he was a viable MVP candidate this season. <laughs> Remarkable leap. We'll talk about him later. But as yeah. far as the trenches, and this game really is about line play, um, both of these teams are just so good on both sides of the football. You know, I, I mean, the San Francisco offensive line and the Eagles pass rush get less attention than the other side, but they're both dominant. Mm. Now you know that said, um, for big man enthusiasts, this Niners pass rush, which is the best four man rush in the NFL, led of course by Nick Bosa, is probably going to be defensive player of the year. Versus this Eagles offensive line that I also believe is the best in the <laughs> NFL, yeah, and they're they're great across the board. They have literally no weaknesses. Is you and I both love the movie. Pacific Rim.
0: Pacific Rim. Truly, yeah. you know I was oh, going to Pacific yeah.
1: Rim. <laughs>
0: of course. I was like, when is Mina going to mention a kaiju? When are we going to mention, yeah, giant fighting robots?
1: To put it this way, both of these teams, I love watching. So When we get the, the tape, you can watch from different angles, including the end zone view, which is how I prefer to watch both the Niners pass rush, which is just absolutely terrifying. And then on the other side, watching the Eagles offensive line, you really don't appreciate them until you watch them from the end zone view, because you can see them just road grading dudes, (laughs) pulling, creating massive holes for this dominant run game. So it's going to be pretty majestic to watch them go head to head.
0: So who is the, who is the Kaiju and who is the Jaeger (laughs) that um, if, you know, to pick one guy from each of those, yeah, each of those lines, let's make Brock Purdy Mm. the damsel in distress, so to speak.
1: He certainly seems like the one most likely to be inside a mech suit, so.
0: <laughs> but the job— Okay, but in front of him, as Brock Purdy is dropping back, mm. the thing that is going to dis- determine, really, like, his his well-being, mm. What's what's the one-on-one matchup that you are maybe focusing on there?
1: Yeah, well, I mean— the Eagles' pass rush is also very good. I know I just said the Niners' pass rush is the best, but... Um, you did. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, if you watched the Wild Card round, Hassan Redick reminded people that, uh, you know, the Eagles' defense is also really, really good. Or specifically, Ryan did Evan Neal, who's the Giants' right tackle. Yeah, they have like four guys who have 10 sacks, at least, I think. They're so deep. It actually reminds me, in some ways, a little bit of the Eagles' defensive line during their Super Bowl run a few years ago. Just waves and waves of pass rushers. And like the Niners, they don't have to blitz very much, which obviously helps them in coverage. Um, And yeah, it's it's going to be challenging. I mean, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is extremely good at finding ways to mitigate a pass rush through scheme and using the talent at his disposal. But it does feel likely that Brock Purdy will be under pressure at some point in this game. So
0: the pressure that Brock Purdy has been under Um, The stat that is remarkable to me, and look, we know the beats of Brock Purdy's story by now, I think, even though he is the most anonymous quarterback left, obviously, was the most anonymous quarterback in the playoffs entirely, last guy taken in the 2022 draft, called into action after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in December. Niners have not lost a game yet with him at quarterback. The stat from this run that I want to present to you to scrutinize here is the simple fact that under pressure, he has turned the ball over exactly zero times. Yeah. Mm. and so that's stat, okay this is I, I sense I, I've heard your grunt why are you grunting what does that well, st- I, what does that stat say to you I mean, I, you
1: know I saw Trevon Diggs drop an interception <laughs> in his hands I, I the Seattle defense in that first half against San Francisco probably should have picked him off a couple of times it, it turned over it, it, watch the games you know that's all I'll say just gotta watch the games um that said uh You know, while he hasn't been perfect, I do think he has done largely a a pretty good job under pressure, especially at extending plays, by the way, which is kind of what makes him unique from Jimmy Garoppolo at times. But Brock Purdy's job is not to go above and beyond for the most part. He truly is the man in the mech suit operating Kyle Shanahan's beautiful machine. Mm. Um, You know, when you watch the Niners' offense and you're just watching him and then all of a sudden there's always like a guy open in the middle of the field. And if you're a fan of the other team, you're screaming, how, why? Just cover the middle of the field. Well, it's because Kyle Shanahan is incredible at using formations and using his personnel, all of whom can do a million different things to create those voids um, by the threading, threatening in the run game. And so really all he needs for the most part is a quarterback who can point and shoot.
0: Wait, so the whole mech suit around him, um, I'm curious what you'd describe Jalen Hurts having. And Jalen Hurts, full credit to him, he might be the actual guy who wins MVP, right, this year. He, he's. I, I feel like you would vote Holmes there. I feel like that is a thing in line with your, with your analysis before. But yeah. the sentence of NFL MVP Jalen Hurts, like, to present that to me at the beginning of the season would get me to laugh at you. Like, this was not a thing that many people anticipated, I think. And yet what does the Eagles quarterback do within his offense that is going to keep, yeah, the Niners defense, which as you say, best in the league, it might keep them up at night.
1: He's developed so much this year as a passer. You know, last year, we already knew he was a dominant runner and uh, partway during the season, they realized, oh, we can use this to our ability and it's incredibly hard to stop because on any given play, you know, the Eagles run the option so much. They're also a very heavy RPO game team. But um, he could keep it, he could give it, you know. But the question is, if, if you add, he can throw it to those things. Suddenly, as yeah. a defense, it's just so challenging. I mean, if you sell out against the run and drop a safety into the box, he will punish you. And he also now has an extremely good one-two punch at wide receivers, so he'll punish you to those wide receivers who are very good at getting open downfield, and he's gotten really good at throwing downfield. He's best quarterback in football against cover one, by the way. So... Mm. I, I think it's just that he's, you know, added... He He's grown so much as a passer, and the Eagles have also surrounded him with so much talent. It would be a disservice, I think, to say any one of those things. The offensive line, the wide receivers, Hertz, deserves all of the credit. The fact that the offense is so good is a testament to the fact that they're all in the field at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, the depth is what I'm being uh, struck by, as you describe both of these teams. But for the Eagles... Again, they pass, they catch, they run, they have this giant line, they have two giant lines. What is their weakness? What is the weakness of the Philadelphia Eagles that, yeah, would stick out after you watch all that film?
1: You know, I would say over the course of the season, the one area that they've struggled at sometimes is run defense. Um, You know, and they improved as the year went on. They brought in... That feels like a dangerous thing, against the Niners. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Um, They did improve. They bring in Limbaugh-Joseph, Duncan Sue, Jordan Davis, their rookie defensive tackle, is back, who is actually probably the size of an actual kaiju, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but they still finished 26 in EPA per play, stopping the run. Uh, now, we just saw them, I think, you know, they look pretty good against the Giants, but game script kind of Made it so that, you know, it wasn't possible for the Giants to run the ball, that they probably would have liked. But as you hinted at, the Niners run game is a totally different animal. So I think that's part of the reason why this is such a concerning matchup for Philadelphia defensively, is the Niners are very good at running the ball. And they're also very good at targeting linebackers, uh, which is the other area that I think the Eagles, while improved, are a little bit vulnerable. Um, running at them and then throwing at them in coverage, so it, it's a tough matchup for them purely because the Niners are so so good at that.
0: Well, you mentioned linebackers and another one of these names that is so huge among uh, yeah people who really know football is Fred Warner. Mm. And Fred Warner, otherwise though, like man on the street stuff, not not quite not quite as highly regarded uh, as as a as a brand. And I'm just. Endlessly fascinated as to, yeah, why Bill Barnwell, our friend Bill Barnwell, why he refers to watching Fred Warner as his football pornography. (laughs) Like, what's going on with Fred Warner, Niners linebacker, that makes people feel that strongly?
1: You know what's, like, really messed up is that the best antidote to the Niners is Fred Warner, who is on their team. Like, he's so messed up. Like, as I was just describing the Eagles linebackers and how Kyle Shanahan's so good at attacking linebackers, he puts them in conflict, he makes them cover. The guy you need is Fred Warner. Unfortunately, you know, he's on their team. It is like they have the antidote to their own specific brand of poison. (laughs) Um, As far as why he's so good, you know, I guess, first of all, I'd say he's the most dominant player in his position of football. You know, I got to vote for the all-pro teams this year, and he was my easiest pick. Um, I really believe that. He's just good at everything. He's good at tackling. He's good at rushing the passer. He's brilliant mentally. He's so good at diagnosing plays. He's so rarely fooled by play action. And then as you just saw in the last round against Dallas, he can go from mugging an A-gap to dropping back like 20 yards in coverage and covering one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, CeeDee Lamb, which is not something linebackers can do. Um. To kind of sum it up, he takes away the entire middle of the field. That's where everybody likes to attack because it is where, you know, easier throws are to be had. But San Francisco makes it a no-fly zone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, so the other name that um, has impressed me because I have doubted it is the name of the Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, the guy who wishes he had a uh, Fred mm-hmm. Warner I mean, he's proved so many people wrong on this run. And I say that simply because I got my first impression of this man at his introductory press conference. And I don't know if you remember this I do. as vividly as I do, Mina. But it, it was it was awkward. It was like he was trying to cosplay as what he thought a football coach sounds like, like in a movie. <laughs> and now he is he is confidently cursing on the sidelines. He has this team obviously rolling. And both of those facts seem to have won the heart of the city of Philadelphia, which is not an easy thing to do. What is your read on him? Uh, I know about Shanahan, obviously, but how about this guy? How far has he come in all of this?
1: Well, he still kind of acts like a football coach in a movie. and um, just <laughs> is performing it better and the team's winning, so it reads differently, right? Um, No, but I yeah, look, he, he's fair. been super impressive. Um, I think Brian Dable, the coach of the Giants probably going to win coach of the year this year. It often goes to the coach who's like turned things around or done more with less. Doug Peterson, Jacksonville, another name. But Nick Steriani is right in the mix and deservedly so because, you know, people point to the Eagles and they say this roster is loaded, but they're also constantly put in the right positions. We talked about Jalen Hurts and his improvements, and I don't think that was a foregone conclusion, He's been very good at the margins. He's good at situational football. He's been aggressive in the right moments. He does all the things you want a modern coach to do to elevate an extremely talented roster. So, you know, he is right to have that level of swagger right now um even if it means he's talking constantly about all the terrible pizza he's eating.
0: <laughs> okay, so at the end here, um I want to fast forward to now late Sunday night. Um I myself have undoubtedly eaten a lot of terrible pizza. Um and now I am surveying the landscape. The AFC and NFC title games are over. What will have been decided, Mina? Like what are people going to be arguing about? Forecast what the, the takes, what, what, what your job is going to look like coming out of these two giant games?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. Is Joe Burrow better than LeBron? I mean, I... <laughs> 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 something stupid. I, I, I think we're going to have to, you know, it, it's really... The chiefs Spangles game, it really is... Patrick Mahomes' ankle and how he plays on it and how the Bengals handle it um, is going to be a huge factor in the way we talk about that game Despite that, though, I do think, however, if the Bengals are able to beat them again and Joe Burrow lights it up again, um, we will appropriately give the Bengals the credit they deserve for slaying even wounded Goliath (laughs) um, for (laughs) a third time. The Eagles would be essentially going, you know, wire to wire, right? I mean, this is a team that at one point we thought was going to go undefeated. And, um, you know, they had the one seed for a reason there will be a lot of talk about their dominant season and Jalen Hurts improvement. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, whether Mr. Irrelevant can win the Super Bowl.
0: So what I got from that was Joe Burrow better than Michael Jordan.
1: <laughs> Brock Purdy better than LeBron.
0: <laughs> Media times. Thank you as always for, uh, yeah, making us smarter.
1: Hmm. Somehow you got me talking about quarterbacks.
0: Hi, Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.